You are listening to the podcast, High Life. I am Kenneth Boyd. I am talking to individuals who can inspire us to follow our dreams and the lessons they have learned and never given up. Today's program, we will be speaking with Mr. John L. Wilburn, an icon of Marshall, Texas. Camera action when I step into the limelight Easily adapted to the high life Dressed to impress like it's prime night And when you live in top shelf You know you gotta set the bar high Had the same dreams since we was kids Big gyms, big cars, and even bigger cribs Never thought that it would happen just the way it did Fast forward that now, it's just the way we live That's good food and drinks My mood makes you think that this life's made for a king the room starts to shake, so smooth if you blink You might just miss the whole thing It's just a different way to move than the highlight Mr. Wilburn, thanks for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, we are looking forward to all the knowledge uh, that we are going to be presented with today. Before we begin, I'd like to speak with Mr. Charles Oliver of the Bethesda Baptist Church. He would like to tell us a little bit about what he thinks about you. Yeah, John likes to talk. He's a good guy. I tell you, he, <laughs> when you listen to him, he's got a lot of history about Bethesda, about Marshall, about the school system. And he, he's a great educator. He, he really was. And he did a, a, a fine job while he was in the public school system. And when he got out, he did a super job on the city council. I know you're a little bit surprised about those comments. And uh, he brought up uh, several interesting uh, things. Can you elaborate a little bit more about going to church, even about going to Bethesda Baptist Church, which you are a member of today? Well, it's something we had to do. Our parents and relatives and things all were church-going people. And they always took us with us. Wherever they went, they took us. They wouldn't allow us to stay at home by ourselves and end up getting in trouble mingling with others. Uh, so they made sure we were in good hands by hands-on. Everywhere they went, we had to go, whether fishing or what. So they go to church, we knew we were going to be church every day. I mean, every, every week. Did your parents have a say-so on where you went to church or or? or where did you attend or or any information you can remember about your parents and church? However, I will say this, I did attend uh, my, my mother's church, which was Old Border, down in Jonesville. I went there when I didn't go here. Like I said, they didn't leave me at home by ourselves, and I think they met twice a month, church twice a month, so twice a month I'd go there and I would cry because I didn't want to go there. I wanted to join Bethesda. This is where I attended Sunday school, BYPU, and everything else. But she was from old school. She wanted me to be baptized where she was baptized, the same uh, pond, member of the same church and all. And finally, when I did, uh, then she told me I could go and join Bethesda. So that's what happened. But actually, to me, I've been a member all my life. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your jobs. Uh, can you give us something about your job that left a 
an impression on you? Well, I applied for a job here when I graduated from Wiley College in '57, uh, and uh, actually I graduated in '56, but '57 is when I applied for a job, and I was denied because we had, in that time, swimming pool. We had integration. Was talked about then, and Dr. Macmillan initiated. Uh, got some fellows from. Wiley went down and integrated the swimming pool. And uh, so the superintendent decided to uh, ask the president to fire Dr. Macmillan, which he refused to do. So he retaliated by not hiring, got all the superintendents together in this area. and so they wouldn't hire any people from Wiley College. So it was us, uh, I may not have gotten a job anyway, but definitely nobody was hired in the March school system that year, fifth seven. You believe in helping others. One of the person that you helped actually was my father, Mr. James Boyd. Can you give us a little bit how that came about? Well, James and I, we really came up together. We were sisters and brothers children, and uh, and I know we had a cousin who claimed she's going to get him a job. He was working at Folk Rubber Company out on Highway 80 West, and uh, I knew we had the same major. And as a result. When I got hired in Marcia, I no longer need that job in Arkansas. So when I thought about James, and I went and asked him, did he want to teach? He said, yeah. And uh, he said, yes, he wanted to teach. And so I told him what to do. I told him I'm mailing this letter now. When it would arrive, you go on down there and just, just tell the superintendent that uh, you overheard me saying that I had a job in my hometown and you knew where I worked. So he came on down. So the superintendent hadn't gotten a letter, Trump hadn't gotten a letter at the time, but he did get it, stayed around. That's how he got high. Because he didn't have time. School had begun, so he didn't have time to search anymore. It's about that time in the program where we speak to a member from Bethesda Baptist Church. Let's hear from Miss Betty Fisher. I can remember uh, John mostly in, in the schools. As a teacher and as an administrator, we worked uh, at a school, David Crockett School. And I learned a lot from Mr. Wilburn. He taught math across the hall for me. I think I was in teaching third grade. He probably was in the fifth grade. But I was to hear Mr. Wilburn when my kids would go to music or they were out for an art class or something, I would be in my room working on lesson plans and Mr. Weirman, when he walks into his classroom, the kids knew exactly what to do. He would have them reciting their multiplication tables and I mean one after the other after the other after the other. And I thought about that and I thought, wow, you know, so without Mr. Weirman even knowing it, I was kind of stealing some of his ideas, you know, on how to do my class. And so, I mean, the kids were just, and he was an excellent teacher. And then he became, he left our campus and became a principal. The same demeanor. Mr. Wilburn 
is is truly, I believe, very gifted. He's straightforward. He will tell you like it is, and he's going to move on with it. And it's just been wonderful, you know. And and I know with this with this this video, he'll probably say, "I didn't know Betty would say that about me." But he is truly a good role model. He was my role model, and he never knew it. What was your philosophy on grades and school? But when we were in school, I didn't. A lot of people <laughs> accused me of demanding they made good grades, but I didn't do that. I demanded they pass. Not good grades, but pass. And I knew in order to pass, you're going to have to do studying. And studying, if you had the ability, you were going to get good grades. And uh, they were just in the environment where all the friends, they were goal-oriented. They wanted to finish college. And uh, my brothers and sisters, they were college grads. They were around people who had gone to college. So this is just something that's understood. This is what they were going to do. You have been involved in local politics for a while. Can you tell us about running for position and, and maybe some of the things that you went through? Well, uh, NAACP President Charles Wilson done at the time went to court and uh, she wanted that one man representative, everybody to be represented. At that time we only had uh, two people on the commission, two blacks I should say, and uh, I take that back, one black had five member commission and she went to court and the court, she won out the court and they extended to seven, so it had three predominant black districts. So in order to neutralize uh, what the NAAC, the NAAC, NAACP had accomplished. The, the people in the city tried to influence some people to run for that position that they knew they could control. But they refused. I wouldn't have known if they hadn't told me. And so I was at a frat meeting one night. I was always pretty active, even during the sit-ins, and I told him, I said, uh, I'm going to run for that position because they don't believe that a teacher has nothing there to run or a black administrator. I'm both of them. So during that time, I was part-time math teacher and part-time administrator at uh, Sam Houston Road School. I did run. And I won. Wow, that that's that's interesting. That that's something that everybody can remember as they maybe think about running for politics or running for office. But I'm sure, especially during that time, you probably ran in, into problems. Uh, so after you won, was there any situations or any any problems? And even when I won, the secretary said. Uh, it was illegal when I walked in to sign the papers and so forth, and uh, she said, uh, that's before I ran, rather, that I couldn't, since I was a teacher, I couldn't hold another position, governmental position. 
And I mentioned the fellow who had worked at Thyacar. He held two positions. He worked for the government, and he also was a city commissioner. So that didn't hold. So anyway, she saw that she couldn't convince. She even had a number for me to call. And I said, no, I'm not calling them. Uh, if uh, it's illegal what I'm doing, Attorney General will send me a letter. And I see, see all these people calling, uh, all these cars passing by here, yeah, they're checking on me. They don't believe I'm going to sign up. I got to sign up. And uh, so she told me the March News Messenger. I saw she couldn't convince me. She told me the March News Messenger was waiting on me to take pictures and so forth. So that's what it did. And like I said, and I ran and I won. Can you give us an interesting fact? Uh, uh, tell us something about your success as commissioner. And as a commissioner, we didn't have any, we had uh, about a hundred and some black hide out of 300 whites. And uh, everybody had a laboring job, minimum wage job, so to speak, for the city. And I checked that. And uh, I was constantly told the rest of the commissioners Matter of fact, as my platform to get more blacks in administrative positions, supervisory positions, and uh, more blacks on the fire department, more black policemen. We also ran a uh, tutorial program here at this church. And I had a fellow, Claude Williams Jr., Dr. Claude Williams Jr., who was teaching those classes trying to improve the IQ and also the ability to pass uh, tests. And this was done and we were successful and we did get more firemen. We got administrators hired and uh, that was, uh, I would say, my greatest accomplishment because that never happened. When I got home, we had about four White supervisors, that's Irish, combined with more than all the black hides. That's how poorly we were. And they were also afraid to apply for different positions when they worked for the city. The blacks were at this time. And so I, I was considered that was my compliment as the city commissioners laid on as. Uh, the mayor, and uh, not that I couldn't do it alone, I was able to convince the other, enough commissioners that this was needed so they could inform the city manager to do this hiring, and that was done. Mr. Wibberland, let's hear from Mr. Vincent Warren, another member of Bethesda Baptist Church. In Marshall, Texas. Uh, I used to go to a local place here in Marshall called Mr. Flanagan before he passed away. He who did my barber. He was my barber. And at the same time, there was another gentleman in there, which is the deacon of here, here at uh, Bethesda, was John Wilbur. And I used to enjoy going there because those two were characters. And they were very entertaining, even though they were serious about what they were discussing. And uh, they wanted you to understand and know it was serious, even though they put it in a humorous way. And I used to like that about them. And like I say, I used to go and I would sit. And at the same time, Mr. Wilburn would tell you things about, he would even go into the church. He would even go into uh, 
different things. If you were doing something that wasn't correct, he had a good way of mentioning it to you. And so was as Mr. Flanagan, both of them. They were just kind of, they kind of tip for tat off each other to make sure they got their point across. And I used to enjoy going there to get my hair cut. And even though some of my friends would wonder why would I go there, because I enjoyed Mr. Flanagan, I enjoyed Mr. Wilmer. I think they're- Free entertainment. Got free entertainment and you got a good haircut. <laughs> you can't beat those two companies. Can't beat those two. And like I said, I'm just, uh, I just love Mr. Wilmer and I love Mr. Flanagan. And I think they're both two, uh, two wonderful gentlemen. I'm glad I had their part of my life anyway. volunteered for slow students because I had problems when I was starting school. I had an aunt who was a teacher. My daddy was killed by lightning when I was four years old. And my aunt and my mother's sister didn't have any children, took me in, and I immediately discovered that since she was a teacher, she wanted me to be smart. And I guess I was on the lazy side, so uh, I go and take my whipping and she'd get my lesson. I'd rather take a whipping than to get my lesson. And uh, that's what she did. And uh, then somebody stole my little tablet when I was in the fourth grade. Never should I get my little blue composition tablet. I had everything. All my lessons were written by my aunt. And uh, so then the teacher called on me. I didn't know anything. I knocked out panic too. And I didn't know a thing. The kids laughing at me and all of them. And that woke me up. So I had a good first grade teacher that had taught me earlier. So I had enough sense to go to her and ask her for help. And rather than taking PE, we got permission for me to stay in her class so I could get tutoring. And then on, I, I finished elementary school with honors. And that's how big a change that was made from that day forward. When you started school, what was your method to pass grades, or did your parents help you in any way? I had an aunt who was a teacher. My daddy was killed by lightning when I was four years old. And my aunt and my mother's sister didn't have any children, took me in, and I immediately discovered that since she was a teacher, she wanted me to be smart. And I guess I was on the lazy side, so uh, I go and take my whipping and she would get my lesson. I'd rather take a whipping than to get my lesson. And uh, that's what she did. And uh, then somebody stole my little tablet when I was in the fourth grade. Never should I get my little blue composition tablet. I had everything. All my lessons were written by my aunt. And, uh, so then the teacher called on me. I didn't know anything. I knocked out panic too. And I didn't know a thing. The kids laughing at me and all of them. That woke me up. So I had a good first grade teacher that had taught me earlier. So I had enough sense to go to her and ask her for help. And rather than taking PE, we got permission for me to stay in her class so I could get tutoring. And then on, I, I, I finished elementary school with honors. And that's how big a change that was made from that day forward. Sir, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. 
Can you give us your closing thoughts? Very appreciative of uh, the members that I've met and some have gone by the wayside, but some things that they left with me are still there that I cherish and I can, it helps me in my daily living by knowing and seeing what they had done and the advice they have given me and the way they lived. It's not, it says, a live summit is much better than a preach summit. And through those people, I saw a lot of living going on. Matter of fact, uh, they, uh, like I said, were very helpful and the key wall now we're coming up is just, just understood that you get an education. So that's how you got out of poverty. It was, we were not integrated then. We didn't have all these modern things. We walked a long way to school. We walked a mile to school or better. The only people had buses during that time were the people who lived in the rural. The city folks, I don't care how you live, three, four miles, Greg's Dishes, Scott's Dishes, wherever you live, you walk to school. Rain, shine, sleet, snow. And uh, they prepared us for all of the downfall that you have by saying, remember, God is with you. You can't fail. And God's with you. So I give you strength. Even when you get down, you want to, you think about that. When you, when you want to give up, you think about that. You can't fail. How can I fail? He's not a loser. Regardless of how it is. And I try to uh, spread that question you asked me a long time ago. I tried to spread that to my children and their friends as they came around. I was blessed that I had a big backyard and, and all of my children friends came there to play. So I could keep a handle on them, leave in the back plan. I also coached Little League and all that too. So that brought me, stayed me in contact with my cheering peers as well as their parents. So I had it both ways. That way, plus I was a teacher, it's a church going person and all. And uh, uh, how can you lose? So all, all that uh, contributes to my success, I suppose. Thank you again, Mr. Wilburn. It has been a pleasure. Be sure to catch the video of this program on Daily Motion. Go to dailymotion.com and enter IDEE -E Entertainment. And if you have a Roku channel or Roku device, be sure to add ID Entertainment to your watch list. And if you have a chance, please leave a review and please share this program with your friend. For information and to contact us, email us at programinfo at mail.com. That's programinfo at mail.com. Thank you for listening today and be sure to join us on the next program. Have a great evening. Do it in the